0: Oh am to Across the Margin, the podcast, where we take you beyond the margin, behind the scenes of the online magazine, and deeper into the stories. I am your host, Michael Shields, and today's podcast acts as both an ode to a unique and prodigious artist, and also an eye-opening look at a disease which affects hundreds of thousands of people daily, sickle cell anemia. What we are here to discuss, and possibly introduce you to, is the realness a podcast series exploring the life and death of the rapper Prodigy that focuses in on his battle with Sickle Cell. I had the opportunity to interview one of the hosts of The Realness and the executive producer of WNYC's health unit, Mary Harris. And she was able to expound upon The Realness and really dig into the ins and outs of Sickle Cell. Prodigy, along with his partner in crime, Havoc, make up the rap duo Mob Deed one of the most celebrated rap groups in the genre's history. Mobb Deep are best known for their second album, The Infamous, one of my favorite albums, an absolute classic and one of hip-hop's most influential and treasured albums. Prodigy wasn't just an MC. and this episode highlights just how special he was, and also serves as an eye-opening look at race and institutional neglect occurring in the medical field. Mary's insight, as you're in this conversation, was invaluable, to understanding not only all the realness has to offer, but to understanding the absolute hell a life struggle with sickle cell anemia can be, and the many, many challenges facing those seeking treatment. Before we get into this interview, uh, uh, another reminder that we are part of the Osiris Media Group. Uh, head on over to OsirisPod.com to just check out all the podcasts they have to offer, and sign up for the newsletter when you're there. Um, It'll uh, alert you to a lot of live events and everything that's going on over at Osiris. But um, let's dig in. The, uh, the rapper Prodigy may have been able to be the voice of New York, but he couldn't escape a single recessive gene. Here's my interview with WNYC's Mary Harris about the realness.
1: Hip hop is—it's um, a very protective industry. Yeah. It's an industry that doesn't tell a lot of secrets, Absolutely. and um, sort of coming in as someone with like a journalistic mindset, mm-hmm. I think that was a bit of a challenge for us, where yeah. people didn't know us, they didn't trust us. You know, who's Oh, the best we're you getting? On NYC? A kickback on that? Well, no, just, yeah. not really. It wasn't kickback. It was just sort of like who are you
0: oh yeah yeah so yeah, why, um,
1: like why like yeah. i've never heard of you you're yeah. not like peter rosenberg or mm-hmm. charlemagne or whatever mm-hmm. you know it's like yep. there there are certain places that are reliably interested in hip-hop sure. and public radio is not necessarily yeah. yep. one of them
0: they gotta open up though there's stories yeah. to be told and it's, yeah. it's the whole thing and obviously the story you told is awesome so thank you for taking the the time to speak with me i want to yeah, sure. i want to spread the word about the uh the realness uh I love the project. I love the podcast and not only does it, you know, talk about the life of an artist that I love, but also um, discusses uh, in-depth sickle cell and I feel like, you know, there's not enough awareness of that out mm. there. So, I was curious first off cuz you seem to know your music as well as <laughs> your I mean, you are the, you know, executive now. producer of the Oh, is that it? Did <laughs> you have mean- you been into hip hop for a while?
1: I'm like a hip hop dabbler, right? Okay. Like yep. I'm, you know, like I know some things, but not a lot. Mm. Like, I mean, Christopher knows a lot about hip hop. Yeah. He covered hip hop for NPR. Yeah. Mm. But my interest is health. And the way that we started on this project was we were working with an editor who told us, you know, we were really interested in the Affordable Care Act and all these mm. like very heady health issues. And this editor said to us, like, listen, you should just call everyone you know and ask them what is, like, the one story that sums up all the problems with healthcare in this country?
0: Oh, I see where you're going. And
1: so we called every, we called, like, 20 people in Mm -hmm. the course of a week, maybe more. And um, this guy who I was really taken with, he runs a sickle cell clinic up at Mount Sinai. This guy named Jeffrey Glassberg. Mm -hmm. And he was telling me all this sickle cell stuff. Like, he's like, it's the most expensive condition. Like, there's no reason we can't treat it better. Um, People are underserved. And then he was like, you should really, you should think about Talking to talking about a celebrity, he's like prodigy just died, and I was like, oh prodigy, who's prodigy? And Christopher's like, who's prodigy? Like we sit right next to each other, and so he was, he was like, <laughs> like, man, he's like, oh my god,
0: come on, man, the work never ends. Yeah. And
1: um, so I still have the text that I sent him mm-hmm. like back in October. I'm like, Shukwan's is really good.
0: Man. Yeah, <laughs> at the moment, and- sh- Shukwan's got you. It's exactly. now etched in your phone.
1: And now, like, it's so funny because I have a ten year old and um someone who works you're asking him like what, what's your favorite mob deep song or what's your favorite mob deep lyric yeah. and he was like all to all the killers in the hundred <laughs> he he, dollars like, they were like okay sir yeah. you're 10 but, it, but it's it's a universal language yeah. you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's a universal language that um speaks about uh, emotion that's inside all of us. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And it tells tells a lot of stories of of the streets and struggles and everything. What's your medical background too, though?
1: So I worked for ABC News for a long time as a producer and I researched health stories and I told health stories. And so that's my background. Mm. Um, And yeah, I love medical stories, but I'd sort of started to feel a little bit limited by them. Like someone told me at some point, you know, here's the thing with health stories. You either get sick, you either get better, or you die. Like, that's, that's the way it goes. And that is kind of true. But the reason I liked Prodigy's story and the reason why I realized I was interested in healthcare, is because um, when people are experiencing these big health issues, first of all, they totally change you psychologically yeah. as a person. Mm-hmm. And they sort of shape your life in a way that i'm not sure that we like talking about a lot we talk a lot about getting over illness mm-hmm. but we don't talk about like incorporating whatever happened yeah. to you with an illness into your life and prodigy was so straight up about that and i loved that um but it also his story sort of it let us get into these structural issues that are really hard to talk about right like um There's a lot of problems with the healthcare system, Mm -hmm. and he just collided with all those things. And when you sort of just look into the details of his life, it's really hard to let yourself off the hook of realizing, like, we made this system that messed up. And this Mm -hmm. guy who had plenty of resources, yeah, a lot of means. support, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? He still came up against it yeah. because the, the real truth is we all do, but especially black Americans. Yeah, so,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Sickle Cell. One of the yeah. great things your show does is, you know, illuminates who, how intense it is dealing with it, you know, the, the problems with the treatments you were just alluding to. Um can you tell us a little bit uh, just about this debilitating disease?
1: Yeah, sure. Like before, um, before you listen to the podcast, if someone talked about sickle cell, like what would you imagine?
0: Yeah, I, you know what, not much. I mean, right. just, just. I mean, luckily, I, I did read his book, so you, you know, he talked about fits of screaming when he's young and suicidal yeah. thoughts that came of it, but I didn't know that
1: much. Yeah, me too. So I didn't really know a lot about it, and I feel like it's something you've heard of, but you don't quite know why. Like, what does it do? And I guess maybe the blood cells change shape. So. Um, Sickle cell is really interesting scientifically, and in that it's like one little change in a molecule that you know grows in your blood cell like mm. this, and it stretches out the blood cell into like this crescent shape. So it's kind of like um, an umbrella handle coming out and okay. in the in the middle of your yeah. blood cell, and it stretches it out. And your your blood cell, which is usually you know flexible and um, can even change like into kind of a liquid form, like it's it's all of a sudden long and sticky, and uh. it, it's not working as well. And that one change has this impact. All over the body. So it gets basically your blood gets stuck. So that means your blood gets stuck when it's coming out of your bones because um, your bones make blood. And so it gets stuck when it's coming out of your bones. That's the like sort of classic sickle mm-hmm. cell symptom. It's bone pain. Um, but then it also gets stuck in your lungs, it gets stuck in your spleen. And so it has all these strange side oh effects. Yeah. Like it gets stuck. In your spleen in a way that your spleen kind of gets choked off. And some people have a really tiny spleen. Mm. T-Vaz said she has like two baby spleens. <laughs> like weird things happen in your body yeah, yeah. because of it. Um your hip can often have trouble. Like we got these medical records from Prodigy, and they show that basically he has enough damage in his his left femur. I believe it was um, that he probably needed a prosthetic and may have even uh-huh. gotten one. Um, so oh, really? yeah, okay. yeah. We don't know. We don't know that. But yep. we know that that's the one treatment for yep. it. And some folks had mentioned that that was a possibility. Mm-hmm. So um, it also. Oxygen doesn't go around your body as well because your blood cells are messed up. Yeah, that's
0: why they can't work out and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly.
1: So, Prodigy traveled with oxygen mm-hmm. when he went on planes. People yeah. talked about him rolling on his oh, oxygen yeah. tank oh, with him. Cool. Um, so, it has all of these different impacts. And I think that's part of what makes it so hard for people to understand. Because mm-hmm. it's not like you broke your leg, you're yeah. walking in a cast, yeah. you know, so you, you had a heart attack, you this, you know, then you get better. First of all, you don't get better. Mm-hmm. Second of all, there's so many different things happening, yeah. and then the primary symptom is this crushing pain from when the blood cells get stuck in your bone or in your head or yeah, wherever. He said he felt
0: like his bones were rotting,
1: exact and just, burning. Yeah,
0: burning and rotting. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I That's can't. That's why imagine it's so remarkable. It. You know, I saw him not even too long ago. I saw shows at BB uh, Kings of his, and just oh, like nice. I mean, he's just out there rocking, giving it all. I saw him at Forest Hills recent, not really not long ago, and. You know, thinking about just how driven he was, everything he did. And, you know, he was taking morphine pills the whole time. Mm-hmm. Is that the way to deal with it? I can't believe yeah. you're able to stay focused and driven and just do everything he did through all so this. He
1: like, he, like, rationed his morphine. So, like, for instance, when he went to prison, he he made it so that he got morphine. All the, Every day when mm. he was there, but he mostly he stored it in his ceiling tiles oh, wow. and he, he would sell it for money for his commissary and then he'd use it when he worked out yeah. to sort of avoid the pain. But he was really, you know, I talked to his doctor who's like, he wasn't into opioids. He wasn't abusing them. Okay. He was he actually was able- being very
0: careful on that. Yeah. That's amazing. said, not an easy said, drug to manage like that. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And the doctor said he was like, he clearly kind of loved him as a patient. Like he was like, he was so strong. Wow. And I think I this I think we included it in the podcast where I was like, yeah, people say he's deep. He's like, yeah. And like clearly he had really broken through to this yep. like stodgy, older, like white dude doctor. I love the idea
0: of that connection. I know. So, well, one I thing it. The podcast does a great job of uh, talking about is just how Sickle Cell was also such a driving force in his life. Yeah. And how it's something that, you know, defined him and, and inspired not only, you know, the way he lived his life, but his music. mm I was wondering if you could speak on that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so he rapped about a little, a lot of really rough stuff, yeah. right? Like being in the streets, yeah. carrying guns, and some of that was just straight up his life. Like mm-hmm. he did carry weapons all the time, yeah, he and he loved did guns. hang out. He loved <laughs> he guns. Loved guns yep. His Instagram, he has this. If you go through his Instagram, mm-hmm. he has a picture like a Christmas card from a family, some white family, mm-hmm. and they're all like in Santa outfits, and everyone, even the little babies, all they're them.
0: holding, they're all, they're all, <laughs> so straps. They're all packing heat.
1: <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, in this moment. Um, <laughs> but he did love a gun.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, always he said for his own protection. Yep. Um. So some of it was from that, and from I think just kind of growing up in New York in the '90s, like when we started looking into him and where he grew up and what he was all about we realized you know he was in he was going into high school in 1990 which was the peak year for murder yeah. in New York City. Oh wow. Thousands you know totally unlike it is now mm. right and so in some ways you realize like oh this sort of ethos of the gun carrying comes from that. So but as he got older he was asked actually on I think it was the Breakfast Club they were mm-hmm. like how do you still rap about this stuff? Yeah. You know you're not out in the streets you're a celebrity and he was like listen All the stuff I rap about, a lot of it came from sickle cell, and I have this pain every day. Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. And I just, I just imagine he talks about being a little kid, and you know, in some ways, had a very wonderful childhood. This grandmother who was a dance instructor who clearly really treasured him and made sure that like he made it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? She was there by his bedside, guarding over him when he was in the hospital. Um, but even despite all of that. And when he was 12 or 13, he tried to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. His mom finds him in a closet with yeah. like a knife and a noose. And um, that's, that's crazy. That's yeah. the kind of pain this that's guy was how going through. It was.
0: That's and he,
1: yeah, he talks about releasing it through mm-hmm. hip hop.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. It actually it was cathartic in a yeah. way, of ways, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Um, the uh, D- let's talk about DKMS real quick. I don't want to move too much forward without. Mm. Uh, I, they partner with the Realness. It's yeah. an international nonprofit dedicated to the fight against blood cancer and blood disorders. Uh, can you tell us how this non, you know about this nonprofit and how any inspired listeners could
1: help? So I don't know much about them. I know that okay. they reached out sort of late in the process, and they were like, "Hey, can we be part of this?" And I we think were it's like, "It's a cool pairing, though." Yeah, yeah and definitely. we were like. Oh, like let's see if you can sponsor the podcast, mm-hmm. and so they did. So what DKMS does is you can register with them to be a bone marrow da- donor. It's a super mm-hmm. simple thing, as I understand. It. I think you literally just swab your cheek, and then yep. you go in a database, and um, and you'll be put on not just their database, but um, databases you know, in the United States, and I think elsewhere. And so you'll get a call if you're a match for someone. Oh, cool! And it's so important, especially for people of color, mm-hmm. because these databases don't have a lot of people of yeah. color in them, mm-hmm. and so when people get leukemia, when people get disorders where they need a bone marrow transplant, it can be very difficult, especially if you're a person of color to get that match. And so I was really excited that they, um, wanted to partner with us. It's also this, so you can treat sickle cell with a bone marrow Mm -hmm. transplant too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's a little bit different for sickle cell because there is there's this risk of death okay. from it, and so a lot of sickle cell patients just decide I'm going to treat my pain, I'm going to move through it, mm-hmm. and you know I don't want to replace my whole you know immune system. I don't mm-hmm. want to replace all of my blood cells. But that said, they're an amazing organization doing great work. So okay. we're thrilled. Absolutely, that yes. Part I, d- I
0: definitely this. want to mention them and at the forefront yeah, of thank this. Thank you. One of the reasons I find this podcast so special is that it encompasses so much and. One of those aspects is, uh, is race and institutional neglect. And what did you learn about how race factored into how people with sickle cell are being treated?
1: Yeah. I mean, like, wh- so the interviews that I did that I found the most surprising and shocking. So in the f- fourth episode? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fourth episode, we talked to this woman who prosecuted Prodigy. Yeah. When he was...
0: She was great. Yeah, Most, she was, most prosec, prosecutors would have a bad rep in yeah, a lot of ways. She with was, an amazing
1: name, which is Risco Mention yep, Lewis. Yep, yep, <laughs> at <some> point <laughs> At some point, someone heard that. They are like, what? What is a Risco Mention <laughs> Lewis? And I was like, well, that's her name. Um, so, this woman who prosecuted Prodigy, and I really didn't know what she was going to say when I tracked her down, but she was like, I can't believe this case came back. Mm-hmm. Like, the first time I talked to her on the phone, she's like, she remembered. Prodigy's grandma. She oh, remembered wow. so much about him, and she's like, "This this case changed my life." And she's an African American woman. You didn't
0: expect that when you called, did you? I didn't no. know.
1: Oh I didn't know. Yeah. It was like one of those amazing moments where I was like, "Okay, I'm going to come to you like yeah, tomorrow." Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm on route. <laughs> exactly. I'm coming to. you. <laughs> don't go anywhere. Uh, so I go out to talk to her, and in some way, she's a very classic prosecutor. Mm-hmm. She's very law and order. She sort of proudly talks about, you know, a lot of people think a black woman should be a prosecutor, you know, but they don't know me, and you know, she, I want to be in power, you know. And I like it. She said at some point, she's like, "He's not an angel." But as part of this case, Prodigy's lawyer filed all of his medical records with the court. Yep. And so she was looking at, like, page after page of, you know, doctors talking about how he's writhing in pain, mm-hmm. how he's walking into the hospital in so much pain. He, like, can't sit to get his vital signs taken. And then all of these bone scans that show all of the damage all over his body. And it she said she looked at it and she's like, I saw trauma. Yeah. I saw And so often it's at the telling you a larger story than yeah. you'll just
0: you know see from a rap sheet or something like that. Yeah. exactly.
1: And she's like, so often I was just looking at a rap sheet yep. and um, so she ends up kind of trying to argue alongside Broer G's lawyer. She doesn't object to anything he's doing. And then this is where the structural stuff comes in where um, the the judge just doesn't buy it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He just doesn't buy that he could be in so much pain. He Mm -hmm. wasn't showing up for probation. Yeah, just seeing it as another excuse. Exactly. It's another excuse, right? And so it made me realize how our institutions aren't really good at absorbing this information about people. And you could see it, too, in the medical records where... um, you know, you could see the doctor saying, like, he claims he's in pain, and he claims only morphine helps, and he says he's not an IV drug user, but I highly doubt that. You know, you could see in both of these situations, you know, the mm-hmm. hospital and the court, they're institutions, right? And yeah. these institutions just aren't good at taking in the information dispassionately mm-hmm. in front of them. They're seeing a human being and they're seeing a black human being. Yeah. And it really colors the treatment of individuals. And that was pretty... Um, transformative to yeah, see that just in black and white you know mm-hmm. what I mean
0: yeah absolutely
1: yeah so yeah
0: and you're also I mean you also mentioned that the government spends three times less on sickle cell than uh the non-cystic fibrosis which is affects primarily primarily white people yeah so it shows you know right there that the you know
1: that's the priority. Thing is, yeah totally and cystic fibrosis is thirty thousand people and sickle cell is a hundred thousand people yeah. in the United States and so Oh, it's wow. just, yeah. it's surprising that these things endure. Yeah. And and y- you can see how decisions are made and they make a kind of sense. Like another thing we talk about in this is how Prodigy was treated at the sickle cell center up mm-hmm. in the Bronx. It was one of the best places. Yeah. So it was funded by the NIH. Then yep. in 2008, they pull the funding, right? And the place basically shutters. Yeah. Not quite, but basically. Mm-hmm. Um and you can see there's a logic to it. Like the person who is in charge of this NIH center is like, well, we want to do more research, we wanna cure this disease, we we don't we don't treat patients, this is really about like funding research that will get them to a cure. And you think like, okay, I guess that makes sense that we're gonna all cure sickle cell now, but if you're not thinking about the people, mm. you know, in the same way as you're thinking about the science. Yeah it sets you up for this, like, vast inequity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: In multiple episodes, episode four and summer five, you uh, discuss peace uh, up north trip when you went to jail. Yeah. You alluded to it. Uh, I mean, sickle cell in prison, those are, uh, that's a scary pa- uh, pairing. And just, you know, I was curious if you could speak on his, uh, the treatment he got inside. You mentioned he was hiding morphine pills. So he yeah. was getting morphine pills. He least. was getting morphine pills and he yep. kind
1: of had this, um... He had this strategy where as soon as he knew he was going upstate for three years, he stopped showing up to court and he like just got himself hospitalized Uh even if he didn't need to be hospitalized. And eventually the judge is like, you have to come to court. And he comes in a wheelchair because he's like, I need my medication. I need you to know how severe this is. He like he had a whole – it was genius actually. Mm -hmm. Um, So he kind of made sure he was taken care of. Okay. But – Um, we wanted to talk about it anyway, because I'd heard from so many doctors about how hard it is for sickle cell patients when they're inside and how it's a big issue. This Mm -hmm. is a population that's much more likely to be incarcerated. And so, you know, it's an issue that sickle cell is really not something that we can treat well while people are incarcerated. One person told me a story, a doctor out in San Francisco about a case he'd been involved with where he, um... He had been called after the fact. The person had died. But it was a guy who, you know, he was a college student. He got in some kind of altercation with his girlfriend. He got arrested. And um, he went to jail and he began saying, like, listen, I'm having problems. I need you to take care of me. I need you to take care of me. And they didn't know what to do about it. Mm -hmm. And eventually he passed away. This is a young man, right? Like, he's in college. He was, like, 20s. And um, it turns out when they did the autopsy, it was simply that he was dehydrated. Oh, wow. And that's the kind of stuff that can happen when, again, you're dealing with these systems that aren't flexible and aren't meant to respond to conditions like this one. Absolutely.
0: Jail transformed um, Prodigy in many ways, too. Totally. He came out kind of – and it was crazy because he was already so driven. He came out more driven, and you were talking about that a little bit in the podcast as well.
1: Yeah, so he – he, he said before he went in, he's like, I'm going to be like Malcolm X. I'm going to go in. I'm going to like transform my life. <laughs> and he kind of did. Yeah. Like, he went in and he was removed from every other influence in his life. And he said he wanted to be like military. Like, mm. I'm just going to drink water, lots of green vegetables. Yep. He does it. He kind of gets his mind right. And There's actually a video of him getting out of prison. Oh, is there? Yeah. And it looks... I need to find this. Yeah. It's yeah. like he looks like a newborn bird or something. You know what I mean? Like like, like he's coming out and like, you know. he learned
0: how to work out in there too. Yeah, he learned the secret. And he said
1: sickle cell patients came up to him afterwards and were like, how do you do this? Because it's impossible. And he basically just worked out really slow. Slow, yeah. Really slowly. And then he would always have a tablet of morphine if he needed one.
0: So. I actually uh, I met him once. It was at his book signing for uh, the uh, commissary uh, the cookbook, cookbook with so, Kathy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was he was great. He was so super nice. But um, that was you know he food was you know something he he took a passion to because he just saw how how you know it affected him and how important it was, which is which is wild. But his life and I know we spoke about it the first time we talked. It's it's his life is so crazy and just how many yeah. you know. I mean, how his crazy family tree. Uh, you know, in 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 this podcast, you take us with them uh, on this journey. I mean, we go into the tunnel. We loved that scene so much;
1: like we we relocated it in the series a yep. couple times. Oh, we were like, we have to do this yeah. somewhere.
0: <laughs> it, it's um, so fun. I mean, yeah. we, we go to the uh, Def Jam
1: yeah. uh, incident,
0: which happened there, and just so much. So, I mean. It was obvious to listen to it. I mean, you guys knew your stuff. I mean, tons of research involved in this type of thing, I'm, yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah, a
1: lot of books. Um, is it, is it- Christopher, uh, so Christopher, my co-host, yep. he um, is ABD with a history PhD. Okay. So he's like the history buff, and so he read this giant book by a guy named Keith Wailu about okay. sort of the history of sickle cell, and mm-hmm. then we both read the autobiography and sort of Skipped around in it. Our associate producer Aaron was actually like, "I'm addicted to it. I'm reading it <laughs> yeah. on the subway, um, just because he talks about everything." Like, he, you know, in a in an industry where being that honest can get you into trouble mm-hmm. and isn't necessarily like valued, yeah. he just didn't care. Yep. And I think that was, was partially real. the sickle cell too. Yeah, you know, um, he was just. Real. Yeah. And he didn't care. Like in his autobiography, we don't even talk about this in the podcast. He's like, Yeah, I wet my bed until I was like in the middle of my teens. And I'm like, You would think someone in hip hop
0: would never admit that because I mean he's just giving someone ammunition for these whatever. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Early in the book, like, he doesn't yeah. care. Yeah. He's like,
1: I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because, and I think it was really like he—he he, he had so many issues with his body. Definitely,
0: it shows a strength in that too. I I, think I, fi- so. I find it like I, I, I give him more credit, and you know, he seems more powerful.
1: He with was that like realness. before his time. Yeah. At some point when we talked to um Chinky, mm-hmm. she—we didn't include this in a, in the podcast, but she said, "You know what the kids are saying now? Woke." She's like, he was woke before woke. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, he kind of was. That makes sense, yeah.
0: He has some deeper, deeper thoughts in his autobiography. And you could yeah. tell he was going even more that way. He, you know, he had ambitions to write some wild books and was even getting into fiction and a lot of different stuff.
1: Totally, yeah, totally. I mean, like, sometimes he went way out there. Yeah. Like, you know, he was really into this guy, Dr. York. Mm-hmm. We don't even get into that, into the podcast. Yep. He was like a sort of spiritual healer. And um, as far as I can tell... Um, After prison, his main doctor was a chiropractor. Mm. You know, he was really into sort of self-care, taking care of yourself. But in some ways, when I think about that, I think that just points the finger at the system. You know what I mean? Like it's like, why did he feel like he needed to go outside of the Mm -hmm. medical community for care? Because he clearly didn't feel like there was a place for him there.
0: Yeah, it wasn't working.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so that's really like the system. That's not him. Yeah. You know, he knew what he needed.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah. I love the B side. Oh, with, the with Roxanne? Episode, yeah. Uh, the Roxanne's queen, amazing. She's she answers awesome. her
1: own phone. Does she really? Yeah. So I, with her, that. Queen with queen of that,
0: Queensbridge MCs.
1: I booked it for Christopher and me. We did it. And I was just like, Christopher, this is your baby.
0: I was going to say, I was <laughs> going to ask. It seemed personal to him.
1: Yeah. Because yeah. we were both there in the studio talking to her. And afterwards, I was like, this is a Christopher production. Yeah. I was like, listen, Christopher, I'm just going to cut this together. And I'm going to write what I think you could say in between. <laughs> and you'll change it. And it will be fine. Yeah. Um, because Christopher had, I don't know I don't know if he says it in this podcast, but he used to watch UMT raps and mm-hmm. all that stuff with his mom. Yeah. And, like, she got him really into female rappers, and so it was such a big deal for him to meet Roxanne. Um, and she was straight when she was like, yeah, I told Havoc, you should just go solo. I was like, yeah. <laughs> all righty <laughs> right. then. I was like, we're just going to lay it out <laughs> yeah. right now.
0: Uh, yeah, Christopher talked about how his mom um, wanted – you know, to keep his hip-hop fairly clean. Right. And so, I forget the artist that it was, but female MCs were right. a part of that. Right, Which, which is really, really funny <laughs> yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you got a full, in-depth look at Prodigy's life. What um? What's your takeaway after this whole thing, this whole process of really getting to know, you know, more about him, more about how he dealt with sickle cell and just everything from this, this great podcast?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I think what I loved about this story is that Prodigy was like the classic Greek hero. Do you know what I mean? Like he keeps trying. He tries so hard. And sometimes he succeeds and sometimes he fails. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But he just keeps hustling and trying, you know? Yeah. And for me, as someone who was relatively new to Mobb Deep, to mm. Prodigy, like kind of like a dabbler in hip hop, I was like, why haven't I heard his story mm. before? You know what I mean? Like, for Christopher, he was, like, I know his story. But I think even he learned stuff. Um, and for me, part of this was about, like, putting a light on someone where it's, like, maybe, like, maybe public radio hasn't told his story. And, like, why? You know yeah. what I mean? Why? Because, like, he does have this classic, classic journey and, like, revelation about who he is by the time he passed and mm-hmm. It's amazing to hear, to having, like, watched a lot of interviews with him, read a lot of interviews yeah. with him, seeing him change. Where it's like you see interviews he did right around the infamous, and he's like, you know, like, he's like a tough guy. They were young. Like, yeah, you know, they were young. Like, they young, barely yeah. talking. Mm-hmm. Just like, yeah, 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 what's up, what's mm-hmm. up? And then by the time he gets to do the Questlove interviews and the interviews on NPR, he did something with a, a podcast called Microphone Check. It's like he's so open. Yeah. And it, like, kind of gives me hope that mm-hmm. we can all change. Mm-hmm. And um, it makes me really sad, too. Because yeah. I do feel like he didn't he wasn't need to die. He was not done. And yeah. he um, wasn't done. Yeah. Like, I... I I'm so sad. I didn't get to go to one of those Blue Note shows. I know.
0: I didn't either. I just I was like thinking about it. And I'm like, oh, there'll be more or something like that. Yeah. It just it shows you know live go see see your heroes see, totally see the people you love yeah
1: totally and there, yeah these shows he did in 2017 right before he passed away mm-hmm. at Blue Note yeah. Jazz Club and uh, with a live, live band, band.
0: Havoc came out the last night yeah. uh, everything that gives me chills that part you mentioned it and yeah and it's, uh, on the podcast it really gave me chills
1: and he really touched people like yeah. talking to ha- we. Talk to Havoc. Uh, I know, I
0: know. (laughs) We tried, we were texting
1: with Havoc for like, come on, yeah. Um, so we got so close, but we talked to Havoc's mom, yeah. And like talking to people who really knew him, how how how, just how passionately they felt about him and his work. And he clearly like touched people absolutely in this way and made them feel heard Mm and seen. And you know, we need more of that right now. He's
0: so inspiring,
1: we need more of that,
0: yeah. So. And so is your podcast. I, uh, I almost, I I was almost welling up on episode oh. one, and then you almost got me again on episode yes. six. I was really, I was, I was absolutely uh, taken in the, the chinky song and the I know. episode six. She recorded
1: it right here. Was it
0: right here? Yeah, in right, that? like literally hollowed ground, right here. That's so cool. <laughs> um, but I love it. It's a tribute to Prodigy. It's you know kind of eye opening and it's uh, raising awareness of uh, sickle cell and. It's just great. I could not recommend it more. And I'm glad, you know, thank you for taking the time to uh, talk to me about it. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much
1: for talking to me about it. I really had fun.
0: All right, cool. Take care. Thanks. Osiris. This podcast is In The Loop, the legion of Osiris podcasts. What does that mean? Osiris is a community of great music and culture podcasts. If you like this one, go check out others at osirispod.com and get In The Loop. Osiris is partnered with Relics magazine at relics.com
2: nah, you 1974, motherfucker, I was born with pain, my moms and my pops pass it down to me, so don't talk to me about can I feel yours, cause I ain't feeling you at all, your pain isn't pure, you crying cause you broke from the project, that's not pain, that's emotions, you a bitch, I'm talking about permanent, physical suffering, you know nothing about that, you just complain cause you stressed. Nigga, my pain's in the flesh, and through the years that pain became my friend, sedated with morphine as a little kid, I felt a tolerance for drugs, addicted to the medicine, now hospital emergency, treat me like a fiend, i rabbit rather time I wish a nigga OD, begging God for help, only to find that I'm all by my goddamn self, and you can never feel my pain, nigga. Nah, you can never feel my pain, nigga. Never feel my pain, nigga. Never feel the pain, nigga. You never feel the pain, nigga. Nah, never feel the pain, nigga. And the females ask, T, why you always look mad? Don't mind me if I make come off like that see. A nigga depressed. I need smoke. I need me a drink. I'm trying to stop those experience Life through the shoes of me. What you find is you can't do that. You ain't built for it. The impact I put on this earth it's like nothing that you ever seen or heard. So look, listen when I speak. Sit up in your seat. Pay attention to the words, cause the story is deep. In and out of crisis, simple I can walk. It gave me strength though, nowadays I hardly talk. It made me cold hearted, anti, I won't play sports. I rarely joke or play games, take it how you want. My handicap took its toll on my sanity. My mom got me at the shrinking like 13. And doctors call the cops on me, cause I be throwing out big poles and they ignore me. I gotta. Try to calm down and breathe I could only hold it but for so long Put me to sleep Do I sound insane? If I do, then this here was written for you Cause you can never feel the pain, nigga Nah, you never feel my pain, nigga You never feel my pain, nigga you Never feel the pain, nigga to the pain nigga